Part six of a Christmas Miscellany twenty nineteen by various authors. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part six The Little City of Hope A Christmas Story by Francis Marion Crawford Section three five How the City Was Besieged and the Lid of Pandora's Box Came Off almost the worst part of it was that he had to tell his boy about his dreadful mistake and that it was all over with the motor and with everything and that until he could get something to do they were practically starving and that he could not possibly see how there was ever to be ice cream for christmas let alone such an expensive joy as a turkey he knew that newton would not pucker up his mouth and screw his eyes to keep the tears in like a girl and he was quite sure that the boy would not reproach him for having been so careless he might not seem to care very much but he would be terribly disappointed that was the worst of all next to owing money that he had no hope of paying indeed he hardly knew which hurt him more than the other for the disgrace of debt as he called it was all his own but the bitter disappointment was on newton too the latter listened in silence till his father had finished and his boyish face was preternaturally thoughtful i've seen boys make just such mistakes at the blackboard he observed in a tone of melancholy reflection and they generally catch it afterwards too he added it's natural well i've caught it overholt answered you have too my dear boy though you didn't make the mistake that's not just well father i don't know what we're going to do but something has got to be done right away and we've got to find out what it is thank goodness you're not a girl cried overholt fervently well, i'm glad too only if i were one i should most likely die young and go to heaven and you'd have me off your mind all right the girls always do in story-books he made this startling and general observation quite naturally of course girls died and went to heaven when there was nothing to eat he secretly thought it would be better if more of them did even without starvation let's work anyhow he added as his father said nothing maybe we'll think of something while we're building that railroad depot don't you suppose that now you've got so far the motor would keep while you taught and you could go at it again in the vacations that's an idea father come now he was already in his place before the board on which the little city was built and his eyes were fixed on the lines his father had drawn as a plan for the station and the diverging tracks but overholt did not sit down his usual place was opposite the motor where he could see it but he did not want to look at it now change seats with me boy he said i cannot stand the sight of it i suppose i'm imaginative all this has upset me a good deal he wished he had the lad's nerves the solid nerves of hungry and sleepy thirteen newton got up at once and changed places and for a few minutes overholt tried to concentrate his mind on the little city but it was of no use if he did not think of the motor he thought of what was much worse for the little streets and the models of the familiar places brought back the cruel memory of happier things so vividly that it was torment all his faculties of sensation were tense and vibrating he could hear his wife's gentle and happy voice her young girl's voice when he looked at the little bench in the lane where he had asked her to marry him and an awful certainty came upon him that he was never to hear her speak again on this side of the grave there was the house they had lived in 
From that window he had looked out on a May morning at the budding trees half an hour after his boy had been born. There, in the pretty garden, the young mother had sat with her baby in the lovely June days. It was full of her. Or, if he looked at the college, he knew every one of the steps, and the entrance, and the tall windows of the lecture-rooms, where he had taught so contentedly, year after year, till the terrible motor had taken possession of him, the thing that was driving him mad. And strangely enough, what hurt him most, and brought drops of perspiration to his forehead, was the National Bank in Main Street. It made him remember his debt, and that he had no money at all, nothing whatsoever but the few dollars in his pocket left after paying the bills on the first of the month. "'It's of no use!' he cried, suddenly rising and turning away. "'I cannot stand it. I'm sorry, but it's too awful.' Never before had he felt so thoroughly ashamed of himself. He was breaking down before his son, to whom he knew he ought to be setting an example of fortitude and common sense. He had forgotten the very names of such qualities— the mere thought of hope, whenever it crossed his mind, mocked him maddeningly, and he hated the little city for the name he had given it. Hope was his enemy, since she had left him, and he was hers. He could have found it in his heart to crush the poor little paper town to pieces, and then to split up the very board itself for firewood. The years that had been so full of belief were all at once empty, and the memory of them rang hollow and false, because hope had cheated him, luring him on, only to forsake him at the great moment. Every hour he had spent on the work had been misspent. He saw it all now, and the most perfect of his faultless calculations only proved that science was a blatant fraud and a snare that had cost him all he had, his wife, his boy's future, and his own self-respect. How could he ever look at his wretched failure again? How could he sit down opposite the son he had cheated, and who was going to starve with him, and play with a little city of hope, when hope herself was the lying enemy that had coaxed him to the destruction of his family and to his own disgrace. As for teaching again, whoever got back a good place after he had voluntarily given it up for a wild dream. Men who had such dreams were not fit to teach young men in any case. That was the answer he would get by post in a day or two. Newton watched his father anxiously, for he had heard that people sometimes went mad from disappointment and anxiety. The pale intellectual face wore a look of horror, as if the dark eyes saw some dreadful sight. The thin figure moved nervously, the colorless lips twitched, the lean fingers opened and shut spasmodically on nothing. It was enough to scare the boy, who had always known his father gentle, sweet-tempered, and hopeful, even under failure. But Overholt was quite changed now, and looked as if he were either very ill or very crazy. It is doubtful whether boys ever love their fathers as most of them love their mothers at one time, or all their lives. The sort of attachment there often is between father and son is very different from that, and both feel that it is. There is more of alliance and friendship in it than of anything like affection, even when it is at its best, with a strong instinct to help one another and to stand by each other in a fight. Newton Overholt did not feel any sympathetic thrill of pain for his father's sufferings. Not in the least. 
he would perhaps have said that he was sorry for him without quite knowing what that meant but he was very strongly moved to help him in some way seeing that he was evidently getting the worst of it in a big fight newton soon became entirely possessed by the idea that something ought to be done but what it was he did not know the lid of pandora's box had flown open and had come off suddenly after smashing the hinges and hope had flown out of the window the boy thought it was clearly his duty to catch her and get her into prison again and then to nail down the lid he had not the smallest doubt that this was what he ought to do but the trouble lay in finding out how to do it a little difficulty that humanity has faced for a good many thousand years on the other hand if he failed as seemed probable he was almost sure that his father would fall ill and die or go quite mad in a few hours he wished his mother were there she would have known how to cheer the desperate man and could probably have made him smile in a few minutes without really doing anything at all those were the things women would do very well the boy thought and they ought always to be at hand to do them when wanted he himself could only sit there and pretend to be busy as children mostly do when they see their elders in trouble but that made him wild i say father he broke out suddenly can't i do anything try and think that's what i'm trying to do answered overholt sitting down at last on the stool before the workbench and staring at the wall with his back turned to his son but i can't there's something wrong with my head you want to see a doctor said the boy i'll go and see if i can get one of them to come out here he rose as if to go at once no don't cried overholt much distressed by the mere suggestion he could only tell me to rest and take exercise and sleep at night and not worry he laughed rather wildly <laughs> he would tell me not to worry they always say that a doctor would tell a man not to worry if he was to be hanged the next morning well said newton philosophically i suppose a man is going to be hung needn't worry much anyway he's got the front seat at the show and nothing particular to do this was sound so far as it went but insufficient as consolation overholt either did not hear or paid no heed to the boy he left the room a moment later without shutting the door and threw himself down on the old black horsehair sofa in the parlour presently the lad rose again and covered up the city of hope with the big brown paper case he had made to fit down over the board and keep the dust off this isn't your day he observed as he did so and the remark was certainly addressed to the model of the town he went into the other room and stood beside his father looking down at his drawn face and damp forehead say father really isn't there anything i can do to help overhold answered with an effort no my boy there's nothing thank you you cannot find money to pay my debts can you have you got no money at all asked newton very gravely four or five dollars that's all that's all you and i have got left in the world to live on and even that's not mine his voice shook with agony and he raised one hand to his forehead not dramatically as many foreigners would do but quietly and firmly and he pressed and kneaded the surface as if he were trying to push his brains back into the right place so that they would work or at least keep quiet 
after that answer newton was too sensible to ask any more questions and perhaps he was also a little afraid to because questions might make his father worse well he said vaguely if i can't work at the city i suppose i may as well go out before it's dark and take a look at the pond it's going to freeze hard tonight and maybe there'll be black ice that'll bear by tomorrow overholt was glad to be left alone for he could not help being ashamed of having broken down so completely before the boy and he felt that he could not recover his self-control unless he were left to himself he heard newton go up the rickety stairs to his own room where he seemed to be rummaging about for some time judging from the noises overhead then the strong shoes clattered on the staircase again and the house door was opened and shut and the boy was off six how a small boy did a big thing and nailed down the lid of the box newton went to the pond because he said he was going out for that purpose and it might be convenient to be able to swear that he had really been down to the water's edge as if to enjoy the pleasure of anticipation too he had his skates with him in a green flannel bag though it was quite out of the question that the ice should bear already and it was not even likely that the water would be already frozen over however he took the skates with him a very good pair of a new model which his father had given him towards the end of the previous winter so that he had not used them more than half a dozen times it was very cold but of course the ice would not bear yet the sun had not set and as he was already halfway to the town the boy apparently thought he might as well go on instead of returning at once to the cottage where he would have to occupy himself with his books till supper-time supposing that it occurred to his father to have any supper in his present condition the prospect was not wildly gay and besides something must be done at once newton was possessed by that idea when overholt had been alone for some time he got up from the horsehair sofa and crept up the stairs leaning on the shaky banister like an old man in his own room he plunged his face into icy cold water again and again as if it were burning and the sharp chill revived his nerves a little there was no stove in the room and before midnight the water would be frozen in the pitcher he sat down and rubbed his forehead and wondered whether he was really any better or was only imagining or even pretending that he was because he wanted to be our own reflections about our own sensations are never so silly as at the greatest moments in our lives because the tremendous strain on the higher faculties releases all the little ones as in sleep and they behave and reason as idiotically as they do in dreams which is saying a good deal perhaps lunatics are only people who are perpetually asleep and dreaming with one part of their brains while the other parts are awake they certainly behave as if that were the matter and it seems a rational explanation of ordinary insanity curable or incurable did you ever talk to a lunatic on the subject on which he is insane he thinks and talks as you do when you are dreaming but he may be quite awake and sensible about all other matters he dreams he is rich and he goes out and orders cartloads of things from shops pray have you never dreamed that you were rich or he dreams that he is a poached egg and must have a piece of toast to sit down upon 
I believe that well-known story of a lunatic to be founded on fact. Have you never dreamt that you were somebody or something quite different from yourself? Have you never dreamt that you were an innocent man, persecuted, tried for a crime, and sentenced to prison, or even death? And yet, at the same time, in your dream, you were behaving with the utmost good sense about everything else. When you are dreaming, you are a perfect lunatic. Why may it not be true that the waking lunatic is really dreaming all the time with one part of his brain? John Henry Overholt was apparently wide awake, but he had been morally stunned that day. He was dreaming that he was going crazy, and he could not, for the life of him, tell whether he really felt any better after cooling his head in the basin than before, though it seemed immensely important to find out just then. Afterwards, when it was all over and things were settled again, he remembered only a blank time which had lasted from the moment when he had broken down before the little city until he found himself sitting in the parlor alone before the supper-table with a bright lamp burning and wondering why his boy did not come home. The dream was over then. His head ached a good deal and he did not feel hungry, but that was all burning anxiety had cooled to leaden care he knew quite well that it was all over with the motor that his friends at the college would find him some sort of employment and that in due time he would succeed in working off his debt to the bank dollar by dollar he had got his soul back out of the claws of despair that had nearly flown away with it there was no hope but he could live without it because he must not only live himself but keep his boy alive. Somehow he would get along on credit for a week or two till he could get work. At all events there were his tools to sell, and the motor must go for old brass, bronze, iron, and steel. He would see about selling the stuff the next day, and with what it would bring he could at least pay cash for necessaries, and the bank must wait. There was no hope in that, but there was the plain sense of an honest man." He was not a coward, he had only been brutally stunned, and now that he had recovered from the blow, he would do his duty. But an innocent man who walks steadily to endure an undeserved death is not a man that hopes for anything, and it was like death to overhold to give up his invention. The door opened and Newton came in quietly. His face was flushed with the cold and his eyes were bright. What was the weight of leaden care to the glorious mainspring of healthy thirteen? Overholt was proud of his boy, nevertheless, for facing the dreary prospect of no Christmas so bravely. Then he had a surprise. I've got a little money, father. It's not much, I know, but it's something to go on with for a day or two. There it is. Newton produced three well-worn dollar bills and some small change, which his father stared at in amazement. There's three dollars and seventy cents, he said, and you told me you had four or five dollars left. Before he sat down, he piled the change neatly on the bills beside his father's plate. Then he took his seat, very red indeed, and looking at the tablecloth. Where on earth did you get it? asked Overholt, leaning back in his chair. "'Well,' uh, the boy hesitated and got redder still, "'I didn't steal it, anyway,' he said. "'It's mine, all right. Uh, I mean, it's yours.' 
of course you didn't steal it cried john henry but where did you get it you haven't had more than a few cents at a time for weeks and weeks so you can't have saved it i didn't beg it either newton answered or borrow it my boy no i wasn't going to borrow money i couldn't pay i'd rather not tell you all the same father at least i earned twenty cents of it that's the odd twenty that makes the three seventy i don't mind telling you that oh you earned twenty cents of it well i'm glad of that anyhow what did you do i sort of hung around the depot till the train came in and i carried a man's valise across to the hotel for him he gave me ten cents some of the boys do that you know but i thought you wouldn't care to have me do it till i had to oh that's all right it does you credit how about the other ten cents old bang saw me pass his shop and he asked me to come in and said he'd give me ten cents if i'd do some sums for him i guess he's pretty busy just now he said he'd give me ten cents every day till christmas if i'd come in after school and do the sums his boys got mumps or something and can't there's no harm in that is there father harm i'm proud of you my boy you'll win through some day it was the first relief from his misery the poor man had felt since he had read the letter about the overdraft in the morning what i can't understand is the rest of the money said overholt newton looked very uncomfortable again and moved uneasily on his chair oh well i suppose i've got to tell you he said looking down into his plate and very busy with his knife and fork say you won't tell mother will you she wouldn't like it i won't tell her well the boy hesitated i sold some things he said at last in a low voice oh there's no great harm in that my boy what did you sell my skates and my watch said newton just audibly you see i didn't somehow feel as if i were going to skate much this winter and i don't really need to know what time it is if i start right by the clock to go to school i say don't tell mother she gave me the watch you know last christmas of course you gave me the skates but you'll understand better than she would overholt was profoundly touched for he knew what delight the good skates meant in the cold weather and the pride the boy had felt in the silver watch that kept such excellent time but he could not think of much to say just then for the sight of the poor little pile of dirty money that was the sordid price of so much pleasure and satisfaction half choked him you're a brave boy he said in a low tone but newton was indefinitely far from understanding that he had done anything brave he merely felt much better now because he had confessed and had the matter off his mind oh well you see something had to be done quick he said and i couldn't think of anything else but i'll go and earn that ten cents of bangs every afternoon you bet and i guess i can pick up a quarter at the depot now and then that is if you don't mind it isn't much i know but it'll help a little it's helped already more than you have any idea said overholt he remembered with bitter shame how he had completely broken down before his son that afternoon and how quietly the lad had gone off to make his great sacrifice pretending that he only wanted to see whether the pond was freezing well said newton i'm glad you don't think it was mean of me to go and sell the watch mother gave me and i'm glad you feel better 
you do feel a good deal better don't you a thousand times better answered overholt almost cheerfully i'm glad maybe you'll feel like working on the city a little after supper i was afraid hope had given us up to-day and had flown away for good and all said the inventor but you've brought her home with you again bless you yes we'll do some work after supper and after you go to bed i'll just have one more good evening with the motor before i give it up forever newton looked up you aren't going to give it up forever he said in a tone of conviction you can't overholt explained calmly enough that he must sell the machine for old metal the very next day and sell the tools too but the boy shook his head you'll curl up and die if you do that he said besides if mother were here she wouldn't let you do it so you oughtn't to the reason why she's gone to be a governess is because she wouldn't let you give up the motor father you know it is yes it's true but he hesitated you simply can't do it that's all so i'm perfectly certain you won't i believe everything will come round all right anyway if you only don't worry that's what i believe father it's a hopeful view at all events the only objection to it is that it's a good deal like dreaming and i've no right to dream any more when you see that i'm going to you must make me sit up and mind my lesson he even laughed a little and it was not badly done considering that he did it on purpose to show how he meant to make the best of it all though hope would not do anything for him he ate something too if only to keep the hungry boy company they went into the workshop and found the bright moonlight streaming through the window that looked east it fell full on the motionless motor under its plate glass case and turned all the steel and brass to silver and gold and from the clean snow that covered the desolateness of the yard outside the moon sent a white reflection upwards that mingled with the direct moonlight in a ghostly sort of way newton stood still and looked at the machine while overholt felt about for matches if only it would begin to move now just of itself the man knew that it would not and wished that the boy would not even suggest such a thing and he sighed as he lit the lamp but all the same he meant to spend half the night in taking a last farewell of the engine and of all the parts on which he had spent months and years only to let them be broken up for old metal in the end the two sat down on each side of the little city and went to work to build the railway station and after all when overholt looked at the common and the college and remembered how happy he had been there he began to feel that since dreams were nothing but dreams except that they were a great waste of time and money and of energy and endurance he might possibly find some happiness again in the old life if he could only get back to it so hope came back rather bedraggled and worn out after her long excursion and took a very humble lodging in the little city which had once been all hers and the capital of her kingdom but she was there all the same peeping out of a small window to see whether she would be welcome if she went out and took a little walk in the streets for the blindest of all blind people are those who have quite made up their minds not to see and the most miserable of all the hopeless ones are those that wilfully turn their backs on hope when she stands at the next corner holding out her hand rather timidly 
but overholt was not one of these and he took it gladly when it was offered and stood ready to be led away by a new path which was not the road to fame or wealth but which might bring him to a quiet little place where he could live in peace with those he loved and after all that would be a great deal seven how a little woman did a great deed to save the city a fortnight later mrs overholt had been much disturbed in her mind for she read each of her husband's letter over at least three times and newton's fortnightly scrawls even oftener because it was less easy to make them out but she had understood one thing very well and that was that there was no more money for the invention and very little cash for the man and boy to live on if she had known what a dreadful mistake john henry had made about debit and credit the little woman would have been terribly anxious but as it was she was quite unhappy enough overholt had written repeatedly of his attempts to raise just a little more money with which to finish the invention and he had explained very clearly what there was to do and somehow she had always believed in the idea because he had invented that beautiful scientific instrument with which his name was connected but she was almost sure that in working out his theory he was quite on the wrong track she did not really understand the engine at all but she was quite certain that when a thing was going to succeed it succeeded from the first without many hitches or drawbacks most women are like that she had never written this to her husband because she would do anything rather than discourage him but she had almost made up her mind to write him a letter of good advice at last begging him to go back to teaching for the present and only to work at the invention in his spare time just then however she came across a paragraph in a german newspaper in munich which said that a great scientific man in berlin had completed an air motor at last after years of study and that it worked tolerably enough to demonstrate the principle but could never be of any practical use because the chemical product on which it ultimately depended was so enormously expensive now mrs overholt knew one thing certainly about her husband's engine namely that the chemical he meant to use cost next to nothing so that if the principle were sound the motor would turn out to be the cheapest in existence and she was a practical person like her boy newton moreover she loved john henry with all her heart and soul and thought him one of the greatest geniuses in the world and she simply could not bear the idea that he would not have a fair chance to finish the machine and try it lastly christmas was coming the girls she was educating talked of nothing else and counted the days and sat up half the night on the edges of each other's beds discussing the beautiful presents they were sure to receive and a great deal might be written about what they said but it has nothing to do with this story except that their chatter helped to fill the air with the christmas spirit and with thoughts of giving as well as of receiving though they were rather spoiled children they were generous too and they laid out all sorts of little traps in order to find out what their governess would like best from each of them for they were fond of her in their way 
Also, Munich is one of the castles which King Christmas still holds in absolute sway and calls his own, and long before he is really awake after his long rest, he begins to stir and laugh in his sleep, and the jolly color creeps up and spreads over his old cheeks before he thinks of opening his eyes, much less of getting up and putting on his crown and now that he was waking helen overholt felt the old loving longing for her dear ones rising to her womanly heart and she planned little plans for another and a happier year to come and meanwhile she bought two or three little gifts to send to the cottage in far connecticut but when she had read about the berlin professor and his motor and thought of her own john henry making bricks without straw and bearing up bravely against disappointment and still writing so cheerfully and hopefully in spite of everything she simply could not stand it another day as i have said king christmas turned over just before waking and he put out a big generous hand in his sleep and laid it on her heart whenever he does that to anybody man woman or child a splendid longing seizes them to give all they have to the one child or woman or man that each loves best or to the being of all others that is most in need or to help the work which seems to each of them the noblest and the best if they are grown up and are lonely this is what happened to helen overholt in spite of her good sense and all her practical resolution as long as she had anything to give john henry should have it and be happy and succeed if success were possible she had saved most of her salary for a long time past spending as little as she well could on herself he should have it all for love's sake and because she believed in him and because Christmas was waking up and had laid his great affectionate old hand on her. So it came to pass that when Overholt was pottering over the beautiful motionless motor late at night, sure that it would work if he had a little more money, but still more sure that it must be sold for old metal the next morning to buy bread for the boy, even at that hour, help was near and from the hand he loved best in the world which would make it ten thousand times sweeter when it reached him it was going to be an awful wrench to give up the invention for now at the moment of abandoning it he saw or thought he saw that he was right at last and that it could not fail it was useless to try it as it was yet he would just once more he adjusted the tangent balance and the vows he put in the supply of the chemical with the long name and screwed down the hermetic plug with the small hand air pump he produced the first vacuum which was necessary all was ready every joint and stuffing box was lubricated the spring of the balance was adjusted to a nicety but the engine would not start though he turned the flywheel with his hand again and again as if to encourage it of course it would not turn alone he understood perfectly that the one piece on which all depended must be made over again exactly the other way that was all there was the wooden model of it all ready for the foundry that would not cast it for nothing if only the wooden piece would serve for a moment's trial but he knew that this was folly 
it would not stand the enormous strain an instant and the joints could not possibly be made airtight he was utterly worn out by all he had been through during the long day and he fell asleep in his chair towards morning his head on his breast his feet struck out straight before him one arm hanging down beside him and his other hand thrust into his pocket he looked more like a shabby lay figure stuffed with sawdust than like a living man if newton had come down and found him lying there under the lamplight he would have started back and shuddered and waited a while before he could find courage to come nearer but the man was only very sound asleep and he did not wake till the december dawn gleamed through the clear winter sky and made the artificial light look dim and smoky and when he opened his eyes it was he himself who started to find himself there in the cold before his great failure in broad daylight nevertheless he had slept soundly and felt better able to face all the trouble that was in store for him he stirred the embers in the stove, put in some kindling and a supply of coal, and warmed himself, still heavy with sleep, and glad to waken consciously, by degrees, and to feel that his resolution was not going to break down. When he felt quite himself, he left the room and went upstairs cautiously, lest he should wake the boy, though it was really time to get up, and Newton was already dressing i'll walk into town with you said overholt when they were at breakfast with the parlor it will do me good to get some air and i must see about selling those things there's no time to be lost newton swallowed his hominy and bread and butter and milk and reflected on the futility of the sacrifice he had made since his father insisted on selling everything for old metal but he said nothing because he was dreadfully disappointed near the town they met the postman as a rule barbara got the mail when she went to market and overholt was not even going to ask the man if there were any letters for him but the postman stopped him there was one from his wife and it was registered he signed the little receipt for it the man passed them on his rounds and they slackened their pace as overholt broke the seal he uttered a loud exclamation when he had glanced at the contents and he stood still in the road newton stared at him in surprise a thousand dollars he cried overcome with amazement a thousand dollars oh helen helen you've saved my life he got to the side of the road and leaned against the fence clutching the letter and the draft in his hand and gazing into his son's face half crazy with delight she's saved it all for me boy do you understand your mother has saved all her salary for the motor and here it is look at it look at it it's success it's fame it's fortune for us all oh if she were only here newton understood and rejoiced he forgot his poor little attempt to help and his own disappointment and everything except the present glorious truth not unadorned by the pleasant vision of the christmas turkey vast now and smoking and flanked by perfect towers of stiff cranberry jelly ever so much better than mere liquid cranberry sauce in the middle distance behind the noble dish 
a noble pyramid of ice cream raised its height and yellow cream cakes rose beyond like many little suns on the far horizon in that first moment of delight there was almost a christmas tree and the mother's face beside it but that was too much they faded and the rest remained no mean forecast of a jolly time that's perfectly grand newton cried when he got his breath after his surprise at the announcement besides i told you so what did i say she wouldn't let you give up the motor i knew she wouldn't who's right now father that's something like what i call a mother but then she always was he was slightly incoherent but that did not matter at all nothing mattered in his young beatific vision he saw the bright wheel going round and round in a perfect storm of turkeys and it was all his mother's doing overhold only half heard for he had been reading the letter the letter of a loving wife who believes in her husband and gives him all she has for his work with every hope every encouragement and every blessing and christmas wish there's no time to be lost overholt said repeating the words he had spoken in a very different mood and tone half an hour earlier i won't walk on with you my boy for i must go back and get the wooden model for the foundry they'll do it for me now fast enough and i can pay what i owe at the bank and there will be plenty left over for your christmas too oh bother my christmas father answered newton with a fine indifference which he did not feel the motor's the thing i want to see that wheel go round for a christmas present it will it shall it must i promise you that the man was almost beside himself with joy no misgiving disturbed him he had the faith that tosses mountains aside like pebbles now that the means were in his hand he had the little fulcrum for his lever which was all archimedes required to move the world he had in him the certainty of being right that has sent millions of men to glory or destruction that day was one of the happiest in all his life either before or afterwards he could have believed that he had fallen asleep at the moment when he had quite broken down and that a hundred years of change had glided by like a watch in the night when he opened his wife's letter and wakened in a blaze of joy and hope and glorious activity nothing he could remember of that kind could compare with his pride and honourable satisfaction when he walked into the bank two hours afterwards with his head high and said he should be glad to take up the note he had signed yesterday and have the balance of the check placed to his credit and few surprises which the partner who had obliged him could recollect had equalled that worthy gentleman's amazement when the debt was paid so soon if you had only told me that you would be in funds so soon mr overholt he said i should not have thought of troubling you here is your note will you kindly look at it and tear it up i did not know answered overholt doing as he was told it is a curious fact that the little note lay in a locked drawer of the partner's magnificent table instead of being put away in the safe with other and larger notes where it belonged it may seem still stranger that on the books overholt's account showed that it had been balanced by a deposit exactly equal to the deficit made by the partner himself instead of by crediting the amount of the note 
but overholt never knew this for a pass-book had always been a mystery to him and it made his head ache the banker had thought of his face some time after he had gone out with his battered umbrella and his shabby shoulders rounded as under a burden and somehow the christmas spirit must have come in quietly and touched the rich man too though even the stenographer did not see what happened for he had once been in terrible straits himself a quarter of a century ago and someone had helped him just in time and he knew what it meant to slink out of a big bank in shabby clothes his back bowed under the heavy weight of debt and failure overholt never knew but he expressed his warm thanks for what now seemed a small favor and with his wooden model of the casting done up in brown paper under his arm he went off to the foundry in long island much careful work had been done for him there and the people were willing to oblige him and promised that the piece should certainly be ready before christmas day and as much earlier as possible and should be made with the greatest exactness which the most precise machinery and the most careful work could ensure this being settled overholt returned to new york and went to two or three places in the bowery well known to him where he bought certain fine tools and pieces of the most perfectly turned steel spring and several other small objects which he needed for the construction of the new tangent balance he had to make for the reversed curve finally he bought a silver watch like the one newton had sold and a new pair of skates presents which the boy certainly deserved and which would make a very good show at christmas when they were to be produced he felt as if he had come into a large fortune moreover when he got out of the train at his own station he went into the town and ordered beforehand the good things for the feast though there were three weeks still and he wanted to pay for them in advance because he felt inside of himself that no one could be quite sure of what might happen in twenty-one days but the dealers flatly refused to take his money though they told him what the things would cost then overholt did almost the only prudent thing he had done in his life for he took the necessary money and five dollars more and sealed it up in an envelope which he put away in a safe place the only difficulty would lie in remembering where the place was so he told newton about it and the boy wrote it down on a piece of paper which he pinned up in his own room where he could see it there was nothing like making sure of that turkey he thought and i may as well say at once that in this matter at least no untoward accident occurred and the money was actually there at the appointed time what happened was something quite different and much more unexpected not to say extraordinary and even amazing and in spite of all that it will not take very long to tell meanwhile before it happened overholt and the boy were perfectly happy all day long the inventor worked at the tangent balance till he had brought it to such perfection that it would be affected by a variation of one-tenth of one second in the aggregate speed of ten revolutions and an increase or decrease of a tenth of a grain in the weight of the volume of the compressed air it was so sensitive that john henry and newton trod cautiously on the floor of the workshop so as not to set it vibrating under the glass clock shade where it was kept safe from dust and dampness 
after it had been placed there to wait for the casting the inventor took the engine to pieces and made the small changes that would be necessary before finally putting it together again which would probably occupy two days meanwhile the little city of hope grew rapidly and was becoming an important centre of civilization and commerce though it was only made of paper and chips and bits of matchboxes and odds and ends cleverly put together with glue and painted except the people in the street for it was inhabited now and though the men and women did not move about they looked as if they might if they were only bigger overholt had seen the population in the window of a german toy shop one day when he was in new york to get a new crocusing wheel for polishing some of the small parts of the engine they were the smallest doll people he had ever seen and were packed by dozens and dozens in nuremberg toy boxes and cost very little so he bought a quantity of them at first newton rather resented them just because they were only toys but his father explained to him that models of human figures were almost necessary to models of buildings to give an idea of the population and that when architects made colored sketches of projected houses they generally draw in one or two people for that reason and this was perfectly satisfactory to the boy and saved his dignity from the slight it would have suffered if he had been actually seen amusing himself with mere playthings overholt was divinely happy in anticipation of the final success that was so near and in the daily work that was making it more and more a certainty as he thought and then when the day was over he was just as happy with the little city which was being decorated for christmas with wreaths in the windows of the houses and a great many more holly trees than had at first been thought of and numberless little christmas booths round the common like those in avenue a south of tompkins square in new york which make you fancy you are in munich or prague if you go and see them at the right hour on christmas eve before long overholt received a short note from the president of his old college simply saying that the latter knew of no opening at present but would bear him in mind but that did not matter now so the two spent their time very pleasantly during the next weeks but though overholt was so hopeful and delighted with his work he knew that he was becoming nervous and overwrought by the great anticipation and that he could not stand such a strain very long then two days before christmas he received a note saying that the new piece was finished and had been sent to him by express that was almost too much happiness to bear and when he found the heavy case at the station the next morning and got it put on a cart his heart was doing queer things and he was as white as a sheet End of Part 6, Section 3